we were looking at some tangential markets this year for pipeline in terms of our pipeline for the next couple of years. And you know, some of those markets were just at the precipice of being economically viable, but with the IRA, those markets are now extremely valuable. This is the Contractors Corner podcast series from Solar Power World. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Contractors Corner podcast. This podcast will be airing just after we return from Solar Power International, or as it's known now, RE Plus in Anaheim, California. It's the first time this show will be back after, I think, two years of pandemic hiatus. So we are expecting to see a lot of new products, new announcements, um, put faces to names for the first time in a while and bring you a lot of our reporting from the floor. So if you have not been following along on Twitter um, as we walked the show floor last week or checked out our website, you can do that now. Um, Go to solarpowerworldonline.com. We'll have our new product roundups up there. So we'll have plenty of great content for you. If you were not able to make the show or if you were there and were in so many meetings that you didn't get to see um, everything you wanted to see on the show floor. As we wrap up our big trade show coverage, we are looking forward to our November issue. In that issue, we are going to be really diving deep into the different aspects of the Inflation Reduction Act that pertain to solar plus storage. So we have seen some of the major questions that people have about this bill, and we are working really hard to answer those questions, get some more details, even though everything is not out there yet. The Treasury Department still has a lot of decisions to make, but we are working our hardest to get the information that is out there. So that is what's happening over here on the editorial side. In this episode of the Contractors Corner podcast, I talk with New Energy Equity about what the IRA will do for their community and commercial solar business, as well as the other factors that have been helping New Energy grow over the past 10 or so years that they've been in business. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And as always, please let us know if you have any questions that you'd like us to dive into for future stories, whether they're related to the IRA or anything else in solar. Hi everyone, I'm Kelsey Misbrenner, Managing Editor with Solar Power World, and I'm here today with Amar Zaman. He is the Chief Financial Officer at New Energy Equity, which is based in Annapolis, Maryland. So welcome to the show. Pleasure. Can you start by telling me, how did you personally get into solar power? Sure. It was entirely by accident. Um, so I, I spent about 10 years at Intel Corporation, which is my first job right out of college. Uh, I graduated from Arizona State University, uh, and I joined Intel right there in Chandler, Arizona. Uh, after about 10 years at Intel, I moved to New York City, and um, as uh, the Romans do in New York, everybody was working on Wall Street, so I decided to join, try to get a job on Wall Street, and I was lucky enough to get a job as an equity research analyst covering the semiconductor industry, given my experience at Intel. Um, this was uh, November 6, 2000, six, uh, which is my first day at uh, UBS Investment Bank as uh, an equity research analyst covering the semiconductor industry. The day I joined, First Solar filed to go public. And uh, so 
the investment bank, uh, I think we were involved in the IPO in some way. They needed uh, somebody to represent them as part of the IPO. And so because I was the most junior person on my team, I was tapped to, uh, to be that person. And so it was entirely by accident. And uh, the next week after starting at uh, UBS Investment Bank, I was sitting down with Jens Meyerhoff and uh, uh, Mike Ahern, who were at the time the CEO and CFO for Solar. Uh, it was interesting. Um, the big, they were trying to convince me uh, and convince Wall Street that uh, they could achieve module cost of a dollar per watt. At the time, uh, SunPower was selling modules at $6 a watt. And I think Nellis was the largest system that was installed in the world at the time at 14 megawatts. And it was at $10 a watt or something like that. So again, it was entirely by accident and I've loved it ever since. Uh, I was one of the early uh, analysts on Wall Street covering the solar industry. And so in a way, I felt like I grew up with the industry. I remember in 2006, the global install capacity for that year was 1.8 gigawatts <laughs> globally. And I think 900 or a gigawatt of that was in Germany. And the biggest conference everybody would go to was in Munich, Germany, intersolar. So it's, we've come a long way. And I've come a long way with the industry. So did you foresee a day where such an enormous climate bill with all of these solar provisions would pass in the federal government back then? Uh, you know, I wouldn't say that I foresaw it, but, um, you know, in 2016, you know, I was, I was actually talking to one of my colleagues this morning, and the last time the federal government passed a major, major piece of legislation that, that was beneficial to the solar industry was in 2016, I believe, when the investment tax credit was extended. And uh, if you recall, it was scheduled to come to an end in 2015 and the industry pushed for it to get extended. And at that time, I remember I was still on Wall Street and we were looking at all the bills that were being uh, discussed and the texts of the bill that were being discussed in Congress, in Congress. And I remember the cost, the total cost of that provision was $16 billion, if I, don't recall, if I, if I recall correctly. So I was just talking to somebody this morning that, you know, the last time the program did something was $16 billion, this time around, it's $370 billion. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a huge, huge orders of magnitude more beneficial. Um, but, you know, I always, I've always viewed the renewable energy industry broadly, and solar specifically, as as an industry, as an industry that had, that had reached escape velocity a long time ago, right? Uh, solar was rapidly declining in cost, um, coming down the cost curve. Utilities were getting on board. Solar and wind were becoming more and more competitive. Every year, they become more and more competitive with, with uh, baseload energy, with natural gas. And, um, and so, you know, I know that there's been a lot of discussions around tariffs and ITCs and, and, and especially in the US, you know, federal government support programs um, and lack thereof, but the industries continue to grow double digits since I've been involved in the industry, since 2006. So I think, you know, whether we have subsidy, whether we have programs in place to support the solar industry or we don't, economically, from just a purely economics perspective, the industry is in very strong footing and will remain to be such going forward. 
Can you speak to what the IRA could do for um, medium-sized solar companies like New Energy Equity? And are you guys working a lot in the under five megawatt range? Absolutely. Uh, we, we are primarily a community, a community solar uh, developer. That's the majority of our business. Um, and most of our projects, the average size of our project is under five megawatts. So uh, we're right in that sweet spot. Uh, for for the IRA, for the IRA in terms of um, you know getting the IA the interconnection agreement IA costs being eligible for the ITC which is huge uh, it's a significant opportunity for for, our, for for the economics of our systems uh, as well as many of our projects are sort of in the one megawatt range so we're we're sort of even though we're big. We support prevailing wage requirements in the bill. A lot of our projects are sort of below, just below that threshold, so we benefit from that. Uh, but overall, I would say it's it's a very attractive bill for community solar, especially the the um, the parts of it that are more tied to LMI, low medium income communities. You know, we're we're really focusing on new markets in those communities, and uh, you know, we could potentially have investment tax credits up to fifty percent. With all those adders, so that's that's extremely beneficial to our business and to our pipeline. Right. How do you see this impacting the business? Do you see your company growing to be able to do even more projects with all of these incentives? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we were we were looking at some tangential markets this year for pipeline in terms of our pipeline for the next couple of years, and you know some of those markets were just at the precipice of being economically viable, but with the IRA. Those markets are now extremely valuable. So that is going to significantly impact our pipeline, add to our pipeline. Uh, and also, you know, we'll be now we'll now be able to hire in those markets uh, and grow in those markets that where there were sort of question, there was a question mark around them prior to the IRA. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the regions that New Energy Equity is working on projects and developing projects in? Sure. Uh, so our primary markets right now are Minnesota, Illinois, and New York. Uh, we're also developing in Virginia, New Mexico, we're doing a little bit of uh, exploration in California. Uh, so yeah, as you know, our business model has been to get in early into markets and partner with local provide local developers, boots on the ground, and and really leverage our national expertise uh, and our national relationships uh, around capital, access to capital, low cost capital access to tax equity programs, and, and bring those relationships and expertise to local, smaller developers that have boots on the ground in those markets and help really help them grow uh, as partners. Are you guys looking into any new regions as potentially new community solar legislation is passed? Yeah, we're always looking at new regions. I mean, like I said, our business model is to get in early into markets. Uh, we've got a very strong business development team and a and an extremely um, well-connected um, policy team as well. Uh, so we, we leverage all of our partners. Plus, we, we, we were recently acquired by Elite earlier this year. And so we're now able to leverage a much larger policy team as well as in-house development and uh, technical expertise and a larger balance sheet to go after new markets. So as, as I was saying, we, we you know, Newer markets, we like some of them. We like to keep close to our chest before we really announce. But uh, 
Um, we, we've been very successful at getting at, at not only recognizing markets with significant potential before you know they they they're truly at the forefront of the industry, getting in there early, building those relationships, and then benefiting as those markets begin to bear fruit. What are the key pieces that lead to success in community solar? Like what needs to be in place for the most people or businesses to be able to benefit from community solar? I would say from what I've learned in community solar, it's really about partnering with with the right subscription providers, you know, so really it's, it's about subscriptions, right? I mean, if we can partner with the we, we have some nice, uh, we have some good relationships with national subscription providers that we partner with in multiple markets. So having that confidence to be able to go into a new market with our subscription provider partners is uh, is very beneficial. And then working with those local developers who know the landscape are much more closer to the policy landscape there in those markets uh, also is, uh, is extremely uh, beneficial to, uh, to, to, to our success. We'll be right back. Today's podcast is sponsored by Soltech. Soltech is a global and vertically integrated company specializing in solar tracker manufacturing. The company has a track record of 17 gigawatts around the globe and a purchasing capacity of over $350 million. Learn more about Soltech's products at soltech.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Scanafly. Want to survey more sites per day? Searching for better accuracy? There's nothing more frustrating than showing up on install day and finding the layout does not fit. Scanafly's survey and design platform solves these problems. Scanafly, the only drone-based solar software, will help you survey three to five times more projects per day while getting perfectly accurate measurements and minimizing roof time. New to drones? Contact Scanafly and take their free course to become a solar drone pilot today at scanafly.com backslash surveyor dash associate dash program. Now back to the show. What has been your most rewarding moment in your solar career so far? My most rewarding moment in my solar career so far. Wow, it's been, it's, that's a hard one. There've been so many. When I was on Wall Street as an analyst back in um, 2012, I put out a report at the time. Solar costs were around, um, you know, two 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 dollar two fifty a cent for utility scale projects to be built. And I put out a report after discussing with manufacturers and developers and doing research on the industry that solar costs will be cut in half by 2015. To uh, I think I, I, my report suggested that the cost would be a dollar fifty or below. Um, and everybody in the industry, even manufacturers who were, um, you know, clients of ours, were skeptical about that call. They felt that it was too aggressive, given where we were in twenty in, in two thousand. I think it was two thousand and ten. So they felt it was too aggressive. But I think by two thousand and my my forecast that was that by twenty fifteen we'll achieve that possibly cut in half. But uh, what what was realized by the industry in 2012, we were at my target. So it was almost like, you know, I, I was, you know, people felt that I was being too aggressive, but I was actually, in reality, I was being a little conservative. <laughs> so that was one. 
the, the second most rewarding um, experience for me in the industry was in 2014, I helped uh, raise, it was really the first large institutional round for one of the largest IPP developers slash asset owners in, in the country. I'm not gonna mention their name, but uh, they're now a multi-billion dollar uh, developer. And I was able to work with them when they were just a team of four or five. Uh, and help them raise their, their first institutional. And uh, so that, you know, having been there early and now seeing how they've grown uh, and where they've become one of the top five players in the industry is extremely rewarding. How else does new energy equity stand out from other companies in the middle market? We're, we're a end-to-end solution provider. We work with early stage developers. We take projects from early stage development to NTP, we take them through construction, and then we also have an arm that operates and maintains them for the long term for our clients and ourselves. So I think, and that's very unique for a company of our of our age. I think we've been around for about nine or ten years to 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 be able to achieve that full end to end, you know, expertise. Uh, we have a great engineering team in house that uh, really that we leverage a lot, especially when we get into new markets. Uh, to help us cite our project appropriately. And, and, and that has been extremely beneficial to our pipeline. And, uh, you know, we've been able to partner with some of the largest financial parties in the, in the industry in the U.S. to help uh, these, uh, these local partners leverage that, um, the heft of that capital uh, from a national perspective. What would you say is the most unique project that New Energy Equity has installed so far? I would say, and again, I've only been at New Energy Equity since November of 20, November of last year. So I'm still learning about our portfolio. I think we've installed about 250 uh, megawatts today, actually close to 300 megawatts today. So there's a lot of projects uh, in Minnesota, in New York, Illinois, Maryland. Uh, but I think the most unique that I've come across is, is in Hawaii. Um, we have a project uh, in Kihei that uh, I believe is about a 500 kilowatts, but it actually has a battery associated with it. And I think uh, we were sort of, it was, it was one of the earlier projects, earlier solar plus storage projects in potentially in the industry. Uh, and we, we we have it still operating up in Hawaii. And a lot of our operations folks love to go out there to, <laughs> to be inspected and uh, check on how it's doing. And uh, it's, it's, it's a very uh, popular destination for our people. I'm sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So speaking of storage, is the standalone storage ITC going to have an impact on how new energy does business? Is it going to make you install more storage? Um, it's, not, it's, an, it's, a, it's a part of the market that we're looking at. You know, we've been primarily focused on, uh, on solar, on community solar, but storage is definitely on our, uh, on our roadmap from a strategic perspective as an asset class that we will continue to look into, especially now with the, with the standalone ITC. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's really extremely powerful for the storage industry, right? If you, you've seen so much growth in storage without an ITC or an incentive of this type. Of this type. So you can imagine, uh, you know, how much more storage is going to come to the forefront now with, now with an almost 30% ITC. Um, and so I think it's going to be extremely beneficial to solar plus storage projects, to co-locating storage with solar. Um, I think in certain markets, storage makes a ton of sense with community solar. Um, especially in utility scale. We're not really in utility scale, but I know that in markets like ERCOT, 
uh, with utility scale and curtailment storage makes makes a lot of sense. And now having a thirty percent ITC makes it makes it even more uh, attractive. So it's definitely something on our roadmap we'll be looking at. What's preventing your company from developing more projects? Uh, you know, this has been an in, this has been a year of a lot of stops and starts with supply chain issues uh, initially coming out of COVID, uh, and then having de- having been dealt with uh, the Oxen case, and and so there's there there just there still is a lot of uncertainty around tariff risk for the industry, and uh, th- that is causing uh, both panel manufacturers as well as developers and and installers to be cautious. That, that's really what it is. It's, it's having uh, having access to panels, having access to materials. Um, demand is there. There's, rap- there's massive demand for solar. Um, cons- uh, you know, we have labor um, is ready from a, from an EPC perspective. Um, the industry is ready, and I'm, I'm hoping we're all hoping that this SBI uh, is going to be sort of a watershed moment in terms of releasing some of those. You know, getting everybody together in Anaheim with with module manufacturers, equipment providers, developers, financiers, I think it's the first SBI in a couple of years, right? So um, I think we're hoping that getting everybody together uh, in the proverbial room, if you will, of SBI, uh, I'm hoping we can can, uh, work through some of these issues uh, and get some clarity, some more clarity as we close out this year. And, and, And I think we're all hoping for a great 2023 having get, get gotten past some of these uh, some of these issues this year. The other thing that I always tell people is that this is not new to us. We've been here before. The industry has been here before. It was here in 2010. It was here in 2008. It was here in 2010. Uh, it was here, I think, in 2015, 2016. So we've been through many similar sort of periods of disruption. And I think the industry has always uh, seen its way through. Uh, and we'll do the same. Because again, at the core, you know, solar is economically competitive. Uh, there is massive demand from a resi- from residential applications to community solar to commercial and now utility scale. Um, the massive, I think last I saw there was about a hundred gigawatt pipeline in North America. So demand is there, and which means that you know the supply chain issues will sort themselves out. Yeah, and I mean we're already seeing some new. U.S. manufacturing announcements come yeah. through, although that will take time to ramp up, but the bill has definitely encouraged that too. Absolutely. And then my final question, what are some future product trends that your company is looking forward to? Well, I mean, we're not, we're, so again, we're a developer, right? So we're sort of a little kind of removed from that perspective. But I would say that you know our engineering team team is always looking at ways to sort of increase efficiency, uh, improve performance of solar systems. So you know different panel technologies, rack racking and uh, tracking technology trackers, right? Those are always something. Those parts of the value chain are always of interest to our engineering team. Anything to increase the efficiency and performance of our community solar projects, right? And then given we have an in-house operations and maintenance arm, uh, we're also looking at you know, innovations in O&M. O&M has been a part of the value chain that's been sort of not really at the forefront of the industry's mindset. So I think as the install capacity in North America continues to age and globally continues to age, 
there's been more and more attention on, on operations and maintenance. And so, and that's driving innovators to kind of come up with new technologies, whether it's panel washing, robotic grass cutting, uh, vegetation management. A lot of innovation is, is happening in that part of the value chain. So I'm excited to see what comes out of that. Definitely. All right, well, thank you so much, Amar, for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, thank you. This has been another edition of Contractors Corner. Join us each month as I talk to solar contractors across the country. Thanks for listening to the Solar Power World podcast. Visit us online at solarpowerworldonline.com for more great featured content and breaking solar news. See you back here next month.